0: It's October 11th, 2021. And this is Markets Daily from Coindesk. I'm Adam B. Levine here again with Adrian Bloss for your daily news roundup. On today's show, we're talking Bitcoin, internet privacy, the latest headlines and more. This episode is sponsored by Kava, Nexo.io and Market Intel by Analysis. And just a reminder that Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice. Bitcoin jumped to a fresh five-month high early on Monday, extending the two-week price rally, even though Friday's weak U.S. jobs report failed to dampen expectations for the U.S. central bank to slow down its pace of stimulus injections starting in November. The market also turned a blind eye towards the data showing supposedly bearish positioning by leveraged funds in the futures market. The cryptocurrency rose to $57,000 per token during the early European trading hours, hitting the highest price since mid-May, according to CoinDesk20 data. The top token rose 13% over the last seven days, registering its second straight double-digit weekly gain. Traders seem to be overlooking some possibly bearish signs as expectations of the U.S. approving a futures-based Bitcoin exchange-traded fund, also known as an ETF, this month continues to grow. The positive sentiment in BTC has been partially driven by the expectations of a potential approval for a futures-based Bitcoin ETF in the near future. Other factors contributing to the rise include continued inflows from institutional investors and SEC Chairman Gary Gensler telling Congress that the agency has no plans to ban crypto, Quimis Institutional said in its weekly email. BTC continues to rise above $56,000, although the rally appears to be exhausted, given overbought signals on the charts. To keep the price rising, traders will need to overpower sellers waiting between $58,000 and $60,000, who hope to capitalize by selling into what they believe will be a temporary return to near-all-time highs. But momentum has improved over the past two weeks, which means the bears will have to batter the price back below $50,000 to shift the charts in their favor. Today's crypto coverage comes to us courtesy of Coindesk's markets analysts, Dominic Dantes and Amkar Godbele. Bitcoin is currently trading at $56,637, that's up 2.89% in the past 24 hours, while Ether is trading at $3,585 per ETH, that's up almost one percentage point in the same time period. According to the CoinDesk Price Index, in traditional markets, U.S. futures dropped with European stocks as the highest oil prices since 2014 stirred fears that a spreading energy crunch will derail the global pandemic recovery. Futures for the S&P 500 declined half a percent on Monday, indicating that the broad market index would start the week with losses. Contracts for the tech-heavy Nasdaq 100 fell eight tenths of a percent, and futures for the Dow Jones Industrial Average edged just under half a percent lower. Overseas, the Pan Continental Stocks Europe 600 index ticked down three tenths of a percent, with losses led by the travel and leisure sector. The UK's FTSE 100 edged up two tenths, led by gains in energy and mining companies. Stocks in Asia were mixed as Hong Kong's Hang Seng climbed nearly two percentage points and Japan's Nikkei 225 added 1.6%, whereas China's benchmark Shanghai Composite was flat after adding just over half a percent during the trading session. Today's traditional markets coverage draws from the Wall Street Journal and Bloomberg. And in related news, here are a few quick headlines we're tracking today. You can find the links to the full stories in the show notes for this episode. After the break, we'll take a look at why it's more behavior than technology, making true privacy on the internet a challenge. But first, here's what's hot. In big picture news, just because pandemic-era inflation is what the Fed describes as transitory, doesn't mean it's going away anytime soon. That's the awkward conclusion that policymakers and investors are arriving at, as prices accelerate all over the world. European natural gas has climbed 25% in the past two weeks alone, and oil topped $80 for the first time since 2014. Fertilizer hit a record on Friday, which means food prices, already at a 10-year peak, will likely rise even higher. Central banks suddenly sound a bit more concerned about inflation, though it's not clear how tighter monetary policy can fix broken supply chains or alleviate an energy squeeze. And money managers want higher yields when they buy bonds. Bloomberg has the full report if you are interested in learning more. And although it's not what any of us would like to hear, global supply chain bottlenecks are feeding on one another, with shortages of components and surging prices of critical raw materials squeezing manufacturers around the world. These supply shocks are already signs of choking off the recovery in some regions. Meanwhile, global labor shortages, often the result of people leaving the workforce as governments around the world responded to the pandemic with varying degrees of previously unheard of controls on the traditional economy, are throwing further obstacles into the way of producers. The bottlenecks are forecast to constrain manufacturing output well into next year, hurting a sector that had until recently powered the global recovery. The Wall Street Journal has the details on that one. Zooming in on energy, the extended climb in oil prices is leaving some other industrial commodities behind. A divergence that reflects bets that energy supply shortages will offset any slowdown in the global economy. U.S. crude rose more than 2% early on Monday to a seven-year high of $81.50 a barrel, bringing its climb since the end of last October to more than 120%. If sustained, it'll be the first time the U.S. oil benchmark closes above $80 a barrel since October of 2014, when the shale revolution set off a multi-year slump in fossil fuel prices. The Wall Street Journal also has that report. Turning to international news, Bitmain confirms halting its shipments of Bitcoin mining machines to Chinese customers, although it is worth noting that the move doesn't affect Bitmain's overseas customers. And the company said it's increased supply to speed up the construction of BTC mines overseas. Quintus Jamie Crowley has that one. Turning to industry news, the U.S. government may expand its efforts to study and regulate the roughly $2 trillion digital asset sector. The Biden administration is reportedly considering an executive order for federal agencies, which would require them to study the crypto industry and provide recommendations on their oversight, Bloomberg reported on Friday, citing unnamed sources. According to the report, the order would include the Treasury Department, Commerce Department, National Science Foundation, and National Security Agencies. In addition to asking agencies to study different aspects of the industry, the order would, quote, clarify the responsibilities, end quote, different agencies have around crypto and blockchain. Coindesk's Nicholas Day has the full story in the show notes. Elsewhere in Washington, the Securities and Exchange Commission approved Volt Equity's Crypto Stocks ETF. According to a prospectus filed October 1st, The Volt Crypto Industry Revolution and Tech ETF will track the performance of so-called Bitcoin Industry Revolution companies, publicly listed companies that either hold a majority of their net assets in Bitcoin, like MicroStrategy, or that make the majority of their profits through mining or building mining equipment, like Marathon Digital Holdings. At least 80% of the fund's net assets will be invested in crypto stocks. The remaining 20% will be invested in more traditional stocks to offset the risk of the fund's focused portfolio. The ETF will not hold any cryptocurrencies directly, and the fund will be listed on the New York Stock Exchange, coined as Cheyenne Legan reports. Meanwhile, J.P. Morgan says institutional investors are replacing gold with Bitcoin. Quote, Bitcoin's allure is an inflation hedge, unquote, is drawing institutional investors back to the crypto market, wrote a researcher from J.P. Morgan. Continuing the quote, There are tentative signs of the previous shift away from gold into Bitcoin seen during most of the fourth quarter of 2020 and the beginning of 2021 has started to reemerge in recent weeks, he said. With Bitcoin prices having surged above $50,000 recently, they've climbed at least 85% this year. Meanwhile, the price of Ether, the native cryptocurrency of the Ethereum blockchain, has risen 393% year-to-date. All of this while gold prices are hovering below $1,800 per ounce, falling 6.5% in 2021, Quindesk Sion Ashraf reports. And in credit card news, crypto exchange BACT said its virtual Visa debit card is now available for use on Google Pay online and in stores. Cryptocurrency balances will be converted to fiat or US dollar balances to enable transactions to occur, Bakkt said in a statement on Friday. BACT's Google Pay support follows in the footsteps of Coinbase, which rolled out Apple Pay and Google Pay support for its Coinbase cards earlier this year. Coindesk's Brandy Betts has more details. And finally, Bitcoin mining company Bitfury is preparing to go public in what would be Europe's biggest cryptocurrency valuation to date, according to The Telegraph. Bitfury is seeking advice from Deloitte over a potential public listing in the next 12 months and could have a price tag in the billions of pounds, according to the report on Monday. The Amsterdam-based company is valued at around $1 billion, The Telegraph said, and its investors include Mike Novogratz's Galaxy Digital. Coindesk's Jamie Crowley has all the details. And in lighter news, here's our associate
1: producer, Adrian Blust. The lines are getting blurred between NFTs and DeFi. Board Ape Yacht Club, or BAYC, the Ethereum-based NFT collection that exploded over the summer, has announced that it will issue a legally compliant token in the first quarter of 2022. The move is intended to, quote, thoughtfully craft dope utility and governance, benefit our club members, and bring the BAYC ecosystem to a much wider audience, end quote. As popular NFTs like Board Ape surge in value, The Cheapest Ape is currently listed for sale at 38 ETH, or $131,000. The teams leading these projects are constantly looking for new ways to incentivize holding and community participation. Here are some ways organizations are doing this. The Axie Way. The runaway success of Axie Infinity's play-to-earn model has inspired a wave of own-to-earn NFT projects. Axie NFT owners must use a combination of Axis, and SLP tokens in order to breed their axes to yield the next generation of axes, which can then be sold or rented out to other players. The model is clearly working, as axes on track to hit an annualized revenue of $2.4 billion. And if you thought the board apes were having a great run, Cyber Kong's Genesis will astonish you. Launched six months ago at .01 ETH, or $40, the collection of 1,000 NFTs now boasts a floor price of 155 ETH, or $535,000, that's up an eye-popping 13,000X. Prices of Genesis CyberKong surged after the launch of the project's banana token, as each NFT earns 10 bananas per day. At current prices, that's a daily yield of $750, or $270,000 annually. The Defiant has more details in the show notes.
0: Thanks for mentioning that, Adrian. Stay tuned for After the Break. We'll take a look at the troubling economics that might be holding up the privacy revolution. Back in a minute.
2: Kava gives you the ability to earn more by connecting the world's largest cryptocurrencies, ecosystems, and financial applications on DeFi's most trusted, scalable, and secure earning platform. Kava is an institutional-grade cross-chain engine built to scale on the largest decentralized proof-of-stake network. With loan APYs as low as 0% and reward APYs as high as 200%, Kava is the safest place for you to grow your digital portfolio. Mint stablecoins. Lend, borrow, earn, and swap safely across the world's biggest crypto assets with Kava. To learn more, visit kava.io slash marketsdaily. Looking to make the most of your crypto assets? Nexo.io's got you covered. Grow your wealth securely with Nexo's high-yield interest accounts. Buy crypto on your terms directly within Nexo's platform and start earning daily compounding interest right away. Get the cash you need without selling your crypto from just 6.9% APR. Instantly swap between 100 crypto and traditional currency pairs. And don't worry, Nexo is insured against losses up to $375 million. Get the most of your crypto at nexo.io. That's N E X (laughs) O.io. Market Intel by Chainalysis provides you with the ultimate crypto dataset to help reach your research and investment goals. As an asset manager seeking confident crypto investments or a venture capitalist identifying and funding emerging players, you'll leverage 53 metrics across 10 categories, like whales, exchanges, liquidity, and supply, to maximize your insights. Get started now by heading to markets.chainalysis.com. That's markets.chainalysis.com.
0: Today's featured story is an opinion piece from Coindesk columnist and EY global blockchain leader Paul Brody. It has become an article of faith across the blockchain industry that there is an enormous latent demand by users who are poised to take back control of their personal data. Aggregators, search engines, and social media companies have done an amazing job of harvesting that data, pulling it together into enormous data sets, and then monetizing the information. Time and time again, consumers find out that what they thought to be anonymous and aggregated data sharing isn't nearly as private as they think it is. Even if the intentions are good, the results often are not. Your phone may not be individually attached to your name in large datasets, but it's still possible to cross-reference your activities in your main locations with information about jobs and healthcare and other data sources. The result is the ability to pick out a single person from one of these vast data sets and even infer some of their personal activities and priorities. For as long as marketing companies have been aggregating this stuff, a smaller group of consumers has been pushing back, and a determined set of entrepreneurs have been trying to build businesses that allow consumers to directly control and monetize their personal information. While I believe that the tools and the laws are increasingly on the side of consumers who want to protect their privacy and are diligent about it, I believe there's little chance that a new wave of blockchain businesses will genuinely enable individual monetization. Recently, a number of blockchain-based companies have sprung up with the vision of helping people take control of their data. They get an enthusiastic reception at conferences and from venture capitalists. As someone who cares deeply about my privacy, I wish I thought they stood a better chance at success, but they face many obstacles on the road ahead. Perhaps the biggest obstacle that I see to personal data monetization businesses is that your personal information just isn't worth that much on its own. Data aggregation businesses run on a principle that's sometimes referred to as the river of pennies. Each individual user or asset has nearly zero value. But multiply that number of users by millions, and suddenly you have something that looks valuable. That doesn't work in reverse, though. Companies are far more focused and disciplined in the pursuit of millions of dollars in ad or data revenue than one consumer trying to make $25 a year. But why isn't your data worth that much? Very simply, the world is awash in your information, and you're not the only source of that information. The truth is that you leak constantly in a digital ecosystem. It's not just that the phone company knows where you are, so do social networks, and your payments, and airline apps. Even your takeout provider knows who you are. I counted more than 50 apps on my smartphone alone that track location. You can go and remove their location privileges, but chances are that you haven't, and you won't. Just think about it. 50 companies are trying to aggregate and sell my location data. In a competitive market with an infinite supply of my location data and multiple sellers, the market clearing price is effectively zero. The people who really make money are those who can aggregate millions of users, not because their location information is valuable, but because the aggregation of that information is valuable. The focus that millions in profits bring to data aggregators causes them to deploy a wide range of tools, many of which fall into the category of dark patterns, stealthy tricks that make doing the right thing difficult. Last week, I stayed at a hotel that required me to authenticate for Wi-Fi daily. Every day, I had to uncheck the default box that subscribed me to their marketing emails. It was infuriating. Avoiding this data collection is hard work. It's mentally taxing. Finally, it's important to remember that your personal information does have value in the marketplace. It's the original form of a micropayment. It's buying your weather forecast, news summary, and spoken turn-by-turn directions. Without these micropayments, we would need to actually pay for these services on an individual basis. And while the cost of getting a weather forecast might be less than a penny, the cost of managing that transaction is high, especially if you have to do it as a conscious choice. All of which brings me to a painful conclusion. The ship has sailed on data privacy and monetization. While there is real demand for more privacy, and some consumers are likely to pay for that as a differentiator with some products, I fear it is likely to remain a luxury experience. Nor are fears of this path new. John Hagel sounded the alarm on the battle of personal information in a pressing article in 1997. But between the low value of our own data and the path dependency we've been on for more than 20 years, it's hard to see that this will change anytime soon. Although I'm pessimistic about the chances for a revolution in personal privacy for legacy ecosystems like social media, I am positive about two areas where we can make a difference. The first is properly anonymizing data sets. Encryption and the mathematics of privacy could make the privacy of a single individual much more impenetrable. And that could restore a level of privacy without preventing the aggregation of data. It's one thing to be presented with appropriate advertising, but it's another thing to be individually targeted. The difference is small, but it is significant. In blockchain and decentralized finance, better known as DeFi, we have a decentralized industry based on building businesses around user stakes and ownership, not advertising-driven metrics like engagement. In this ecosystem, a zero-knowledge proof showing you a verified identity without breaking privacy has a good chance of taking hold. Compliance, security, and privacy, all in one. And I think that's a future worth working towards. And that's our show for today. Thank you very much for listening. This episode was edited by Adrian Blust and you can send us an email at podcast at coindesk.com. We'll be back tomorrow with another news roundup. And just a reminder that Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice. We'll see you then.